Hey everyone, thanks so much for allowing us to be with you today. Scott Shumpert is joining me for a message this week. Uh, we're wrapping up our series that we've entitled Foundations, where we're looking at some foundational truths that never change. And that's important where when we live in a time where it seems like things are constantly changing, right? Yes. And so for Scott, we thought this would be a, a perfect opportunity. Because Scott, because you're experiencing a life change in your career right now. Tell everybody what you're doing. Yeah, I'm going to be going to Prattville Christian Academy. I'm going to be the uh, campus pastor of that school. I'm really looking forward to that, but uh, that's my life change. Yeah, and Scott's been with us from the very beginning here for 10 and a half years at Centerpoint, and he's still going to be a part of the church, but his full-time ministry will be at a school nearby. And so uh, you're going to be a volunteer. Does that sound okay? Uh, I will be a volunteer. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know what? I'm going to just be a part of the team. There you go. So we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to share four foundational principles that Scott strongly believes in. You've, I've heard you talk about these every time, and you'll be greatly encouraged today because they apply to us all. They're foundational uh, so that we can experience all that God wants us to experience in this world. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you for Scott. We thank you that um, we can be together today. I'm asking that you will bless him in uh, his new venture as the campus pastor as at uh, Prattville Christian Academy. We thank you for this new assignment from you. And Father, we pray for today that as we speak, Lord, you'll move us out of the way and you remind us of some foundational concepts that never change in our relationship with you and with others. So Father, bless this time today. Use it for your glory. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Scott, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is, is that it's all about relationships. That's a tagline here at Centerpoint. It's on our website. When, when we used to hand out bulletins like four months ago, and yes. other things like this, we would always put that on there. But it's true it, that it's all about relationships. And that's true. You believe that with all your heart, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I don't do ministry to people. I do ministry with people. I absolutely love them. Matter of fact, we're sitting in the ballroom that's always full. And as I look across it, I can, I can tell you that there's stories with people there all the time. And I love to share their stories. Yeah, we're recording in the, uh, at the conference center at the Marriott Legends uh, Hotel and Conference Center in Prattville. And there's nobody in here but you and me. That's correct. And, uh, and so today we are thinking about all those things. But Jesus was the one who said... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said the two most important things in life were relationships with God and relationships with others. And that's what we're talking about here when we say it's all about relationships. It is. And you know what? Leaders go first. Mm. And I want to tell you, Jesus is our leader. You know, he left heaven to come here on earth. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Not only was he with us, he put skin on, he hung out with 12 guys that changed the world, and it wouldn't be 12 that we'd probably pick. Mm. And I want to tell you, that has such an impression on me, such an impression on me that if he did that, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. He learned their stories. And that's the way you've carried out ministry the whole time you've been here. Everybody that I talk to always talks about, man, I love hanging out with Scott because he is so interested in me. He's interested in what I'm doing. And that's just part of good ministry, isn't it? Well, it's a part of good ministry, but I think it's a part of good life. If we want to have a great life and a foundation for life, you know, um, it's learning about others yeah. and their stories. And it starts with learning about God. We love it when we worship here together uh, on Sundays, 
but the big, another big passion of yours is helping people read the Bible on their own because we want people to have their own personal relationship with God, not just talk about him or go to a, a meeting where, people, where he is talked about, but I know him. I mean, that matters, doesn't it? It really matters because once you spend time in God's word and it, it fills your whole, the Holy Spirit that's within you, wow, you start getting your identity. Hmm. And it's not about, oh, gosh, I've got a relationship, and I'm kind of scared of this Heavenly Father. You understand how much He loves you, Hmm. and you start treating other people differently. That right there, you can only get it by spending time in God's Word. And that's the second thing that Jesus said was important, was loving others. And we always want to get people in connect groups, and I know that's a passion of yours too, because you believe that uh, not only do we build friendships, but God uses other relation, our relationships with other people to mature us and grow us up so we can understand him better and understand what life is about. There's, there's even a verse on this in uh, Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It does. And you know, on Tuesday mornings, we get together with a group of guys. And I remember when you introduced this, it was absolutely, you looked out over and you said, real men, and, they, and their wives poked them and said, you're going. Yeah. And so the men came on Tuesday morning, had a biscuit, and we started around and we had a conversation. You'd share a little, or I'd share a little, or Jeff Baldwin or some other people would share a little. But the real ministry happened around those tables. Mm, yeah. When the men started sharing their stories and their struggles and their joys, and all of a sudden they became friends. They weren't just acquaintances sitting at the table. It made a difference in our church. Yeah, because then they started praying for each other. They held each other accountable. And they started to grow like weeds. They did. And it's also the reason we do connect groups here. And you were telling me that one of your favorite memories, and you've been a part of, you've started a whole bunch of connect groups over the last 10 years. One of your favorite uh, memories of that is a couple where I think the wife couldn't even get her husband to come, right? She could not. Matter of fact, she told the leader, I want to come to your connect group. I am married, but my husband won't be there. (laughs) So... She did go for a few times, and then her husband showed up, and he was like, I'm here. That's it. But then he started learning some of the other guys in there, learning their stories, and they were interested in him. Well, the great news is this. That couple has grown so much. They're some of our Connect Group leaders, and he's leading. He's not just there. He's a leader in our church, and that's what God does when he matures us. Yeah, so foundational concept number one today is it's all about relationships with God and with others. Then we'll have abundant life. A second foundational concept, and this I know is a passion of yours, everybody has a part to play in God's kingdom. You've helped us design our volunteer ministry program, and it's not only that we want people to read the Bible and be involved in discussions, uh, small groups, but we want people serving too because God designed us to do that, right? He did. He wants, to, he wants to put us in action. And I want to tell you, I've been in a lot of churches, and when we said, hey, we want you to serve, people go, oh, yeah, they need us to work because we've got to have volunteers. You know what? It's true. We do need people to help with the children and with the youth and with setup and with breakdown. We do need those. But what I have found out is God has wired people in such a way that when they find their spot, oh, yeah. they are no longer volunteering. They are just living out what God is giving them in their life. You know, there was this, there's one of the guys on our setup team, breakdown team. He's been doing it for 10 and a half years. This guy works hard every single week. 
man, he sees designs, he sees angles, he knows exactly how to do this. But every time I see him, I'll go, man, thanks for doing this. And he'll go, no, 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 thank y'all for letting me do this. You know what? It just tells me he has life through this. Yep. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul said this much. He said, the human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. If the foot says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, well, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not in an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? No. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. And the Bible tells us that God gives us giftings that way. Some people, they're gifted in serving and putting things together. Others are gifted in accounting. Some people are gifted in singing. And that's been a big joy for you is helping people figure out where to do that, right? Oh, absolutely. I want to tell you, the first thing is get in the game. Mm. The next thing is, you know what? Figure out where God has placed me that gives me energy and gives me life. We have a communion team. You know, first of all, they have a task. They have a task of putting juice in a cup and getting the bread ready and getting ready for communion. But what's amazing is they are a family. But then the other part is when you are up here administering communion, I watch them come to life because they go, we not only got to be a part of it, we did that. Oh, yeah, because the Holy Spirit gifts us so we can work together as a church, and we use those gifts, we can experience the Holy Spirit flowing through us. We can. But, you know, I think the key is playing where God has designed you, oh, yeah. getting you on the right side of the bus. I always tell people, hey, get in the game, and if it doesn't fit, don't leave. Come back to me and go, hey, that didn't really work after two or three months. Let's try something else. Oh, I yeah. mean, I've, I've had people who were thinking, well, you know, I'll be a greeter. The only problem was they were introverts. <laughs> And you know when they're like, oh, gosh, here comes somebody, here comes somebody, what do I do? Yeah. But you know what? When they got behind the scenes, man, they blossomed. Yeah. That is awesome. I love it when people are like, you got people who are like, I am a macro person. Hey, I can see things, and I can design them, but please don't put me in the details. Oh, yeah. And then you got the people who are like, I love details. The detail people? I really want them counting the money. I really want them putting the P's and Q's in the right place. Uh, I remember we had one lady, uh, when I was doing my seminary, I was macro in writing my papers. Yeah. She was detailed in uh, doing the corrections on my paper. I appreciate her so much. Yeah, the editing helps a lot. And so God gives us different gifts. He's given each of us different gifts for doing certain things well. And that's the fun of doing ministry together. We get to experiment and try things and discover where God wants us. And then we can work together and the whole body grows. But another thing God gives us, and this was something that I've heard you talk many times to people about, is you help people identify their own life experiences. Because one of the ways God equips us to be a part of the body is through the experiences he's taken us through, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, John, when we talk about relationships, ten and a half years ago, you knew who I was, yeah. I knew who you are, but we'd say yeah, we, we didn't were acquaintances. Know yeah, we didn't know each other. And yeah. yet we came together and we started life together. I remember our first Christmas party. <laughs> there was a whopping three people <laughs> around a table. And we would sit there and it was our Christmas and our kids were in another room. Yeah. And uh, that was really funny. And 
when I think about that, we've grown together. But one of the things is you're, you're just a little bit older than me. About two weeks into being here, your parents came from Kansas, and I got uh-huh. to meet them. And the beauty of it was I got to see a picture of who you were by meeting your mom and your dad. And so it wasn't long after that your dad got sick. And I still remember your dad and mom had to go to, I think they went to a, not a nursing home, but they were independent assisted, living. Assisted living, living, yeah. And it kind of moved. And then, but all that happened to you. And you were sitting on the airplane and your dad passed away. And I got to be in the office with him. I could only minister to you a little bit because I hadn't had any experience. But it wasn't many more years later, it was my mom who passed away. And it was a struggle with Alzheimer's, and it hurt. But you were the first one in my office. You didn't waste the experience of what happened to your parents. You didn't waste that. And then I'll, I'll never forget when I'm up there preaching my dad's funeral and you're in the back, you had driven six hours. And part of it was you understood what it was like to lose a parent. That's experiences. And there's been all kinds of experiences that's happened in here with people. Uh, I can think of people who have gone through divorces. And while, man, you have never been through a divorce, they're able to help someone with a divorce. We've had people who, I know one of the guys, that uh, Ronnie, who gave his life to Christ in my office. Man, that was a highlight of my day. And I remember him. He's been here, and he's faithful. And um, he's struggled with some addictions in his life before. And it's through God's help. He's really, um, well, he's been able to stay sober. He's been able to, man, God's worked in his life my way. But I remember he would get here and he would usher. And then he'd go, I'm going over to Wetumpka. They've got a drunk tank over there where people would dry out. And as they come out, he understood what it was like to be there. And he would sit there and he'd talk to them. And I said, man, you've got the greatest ministry in the world. Thank you for letting God use you. And that, so God's gifted us, but also give, God's given us experience, and we cannot let those experiences go to waste. No. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1, 4, Paul says, God comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God yeah. has given us. And that's what we're encouraging people to do all the time. It's foundational Yeah. that no matter what we've been through, good experiences and bad, God can use it, use us uh, to help each other. It's all about relationships. Everybody has a part to play in God's kingdom. And you're going to love this third one here. I've heard you say a whole bunch of times, missions is much more than Christians taking a trip to another country. Oh, yeah, it is. Because when I look at it, uh, I've been doing mission trips for a long time. Yep. But I will tell you, the mission trip's almost the carrot dangling. Because everybody would hear... There's a mission trip to Peru, or there's a mission trip to Mexico, or there's a mission trip to Cuba. And the word was not missions, it was Cuba, Peru, <laughs> Mexico. And they wanted to experience that. But what I found out is when that was out there dangling, they put on different glasses when they got there. Oh, yeah. Because they saw things differently. Because when something changes in your life, and radically changes, you come back a different person. I always experience that mission trips are like uh, a discipleship in an incubator. Hmm. My, my uh, next-door neighbor 
when I was growing up, he had a quail farm yeah. and had the quail house there. And I was, Mr. Warner, I would ask him, I'd go, what is that? And he'd go, that's my incubator. Because he'd take those eggs and he'd stick them in there and it was a light and warm them up and it'd make those chick, chicks just uh, hatch quicker. Oh, yeah. And the reason was he wanted to go faster. And I'm going to tell you, that's what Mission Trips is about. It does that. People come back differently. We had a, we have one of our deacon and his wife, and uh, she went on a mission trip. And I remember they asked her, said, I want you to share your testimony. She's like, oh, I want to tell you. She's been on so many mission trips, and she can't quit sharing her testimony. But what did it take? It took her getting out of her comfort zone and taking the next step and watching God work in her life. In 2 Kings 6.17, there's actually a verse about this where Elisha, the Old Testament prophet, prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant who was terribly afraid that he and Elisha were going to die because they were surrounded by an army. And Elisha said, oh, there's more of us than of them, than of the enemy. And Elisha prayed this, O Lord, open his eyes so that he might see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all the way around surrounding them. And it's a similar thing that happens on a mission trip. You pray that every time you go, Lord, open people's eyes. Open the eyes to what you're doing in another part of the world. Open our eyes to needs we've never known before. Open our eyes to who we are in Christ and what the ministry of the gospel is all about. And those things do happen on mission trips routinely. They, they happen routinely. And when you know the life change happens, it's not when the mission trip is a week, but when the mission trip is a lifetime. And a part of that is I saw... But then I reflected that back in my own hometown, my own community, I want to do something. Not because I'm doing something to be good. I'm doing something because my life's been changed. Oh, yeah. And missions is also much more than taking a trip to another country because I've heard you talk about this too, that in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I've heard you emphasize that. Go in the original language means go. Go. That's it. But when you talk about that, you also remind people that go doesn't necessarily mean going to a foreign country at all. It could be just going across the street. It could be. You know, it's interesting to me that in the gospel, Jesus would always, it wasn't like it was just a, all right, this is the way everything happens. No, it happened individually. Mm. I was thinking of when he grabbed his disciples, he said, leave your nets come follow me. And they had to walk and go. And they went to places they probably had never been before. And they'd seen things they'd never seen before. But you know what? They had to change. But then when he went across the lake and there was the guy, the legions, the demons were in. Yeah. I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere. And the guy goes, hey, I'm ready to go. And he goes, no, I want you to stay. Yeah. But his go, he had to go because his life was changed, his go was go back into the village. To your friends and your family. To your friends and your family, because I want them to know the power of Christ has radically changed you. That's our go. And so we are commanded to go. And mission trips, although you have helped take many of them and you've done all kinds of fundraisers with our mm -hmm. half marathon and 10 miler, other things, you've raised all kinds of money for that that missions is really about a lifestyle, not just an event. It is, and it's a lifestyle that God has placed on your life 
Not, well, I've got to do this just to be good. Man, God just radically changes us when we're moving. Oh, yeah. And that's the go. And so we're always going to be praying that God opens our eyes and shows us needs we've never seen and people we've never noticed before. Well, a fourth principle that's terribly important even in your life right now mm-hmm. is this, is that we can trust the Lord to guide us. I want to read a couple of scriptures here and let you comment on this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. And Isaiah 30, 21 says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, you you'll hear a voice that'll say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. And in both those situations, Scott, one of the things you've done such a wonderful job of here is you have partnered with me in helping give pastoral counsel to hundreds and hundreds of people over the last 10 years. And a big thing we try to help them discern is, what is God saying to them? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it would be about a career choice or a dating relationship or about who knows whether, they, whether it's time to go back to school, whether it's uh, time to start a family, how to overcome uh, a grief, a, a, a thousand different topics. And each time, the big thing we're trying to do is get, get people to a place where they can say, hey, I'm, I'm spending time with God and his word. I'm spending time with God and his people, but I'm listening. And I can be confident that God's really going to guide me. That's true, isn't it? Yes. I mean, John, ten and a half years ago, this place wasn't called Center Point. Yeah. We had a worship service, and we had a sign, and it said, worship this way. <laughs> this way. And we had no earthly idea. We didn't even have a name yet. We had no name. Our name on the checking account was Explorers. The reason it was was because why? We were exploring a name. (laughs) We were exploring a name. That's correct. And we set up at, you know, the holy ground of Chick-fil-A. And we sat there and Centerpoint came to our mind. But I don't think it came to our mind. I think it was impressed on us. Yeah. And I want to tell you. a place where we could go out from. Yeah. It is. And, I, and so we have to look backwards and forwards, and we can say, God's been faithful. So if He's had a plan for us to be here, He also has us a plan to be there. And then when you hear the voice, I want to tell you one of the things we always tell people is how is people affirming you in this choice? And I want to tell you. And the choice I made to leave full-time ministry here to go do at Prattville Christian Academy, yeah. it was hard. And the voice was not an audible voice from God. Matter of fact, I felt like I was in a wrestling match. I was struggling with this. But 32 years, almost 32 years ago, I married Salisa. And I want to tell you... Uh, I've always said, God, would you please speak through my wife? And she has. And she'd say, clean up that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she, uh, uh, she has. And she said, Scott, I think God has opened this door. It fits you. And when I walked through it, uh, matter of fact, this morning I, I was out changing oil in my car, and, and I had someone walk by and go, Scott, that's a perfect fit. Your wife even came to me and said, Scott, I can't think of a better place. And man, that was such a word of encouragement. But you always hear all kinds of voices. But God has continued to use people's voices to say, this is good. Yeah, he uh, confirms the things he's leading us to through his word, through uh, other people, through other Christians. And 
Um, you're excited about going to this new position there. Tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing. Well, uh, I'll be, for the whole school, there's about 700 students, uh, I'm going to be their pastor. I'm going to teach a couple of Bible classes. And that's an interesting part. I have a degree in, in education, never used it, and now I'm using it. And so that's an interesting part. But also, I'm so excited that coaches, teachers, their families of the students, the faculty, and the staff, I mean, everybody there, I get to be their pastor. And I love being a pastor. And so, and the other part is this. When a student leaves church, going out to college, or leaves a a high school, we get to invest in the next generation. Yep. And that excites me. Yeah. And so uh, I'm thrilled for you. We're going to pray for you here. I want to pray for you here in just a minute as we kind of bring our time together to a close. But what are you excited about for Centerpoint? I mean, you've been a part of this from the beginning where it was you and me sitting around a card table and we'd meet with the elders and they were all volunteers. And man, everybody was just, we'd meet a couple of times a week and pray. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was exciting and fun, and uh, God has continued to open up new ministry doors for us over and over again. What are you excited about for Centerpoint for the future? I'm excited for a few reasons. Number one is this. This is God's kingdom work. Hmm. This is God's kingdom work, and he ain't going to let us get in the way of it. He's bringing people. I've watched people's lives transformed here in such a powerful way. But, you know, even better is not only are their lives transformed, but they're assisting in transforming others' lives. I'm excited about it. I don't even think we know how far-reaching God's going to let Centerpoint be. In the middle of a pandemic, as much as we hate not seeing people, we're online touching far and beyond anything we'd ever reach inside this building. And I think that there's going to be some sites developed there. I think that there's going to be things developed. We always, on Christmas Eve, we have a candlelight worship. And on that candlelight, we pass flame to flame to flame, and this whole room lights up. I think that God is going to use Centerpoint as one of the candles that's going to pass on to people to watch people come to life in Christ. John, you preach the word. We worship him fully. We have volunteers and connect group leaders who are, who are really surrendered to Christ and are maturing in their faith. Why wouldn't God want to do something with that? Yeah, and that's our prayer. And so I'm going to pray for you okay. and ask God to bless you on the next step in your journey. And I want you to pray for all of us and mm-hmm. for our church that God will keep us uh, correctly focused on him on the next step of our journey too. Can we do that? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for today that we could have a conversation with Scott. I thank you that, Lord, for him, it is all about relationships. Mm-hmm. Every wedding he's ever done, every counseling appointment, every program he's ever run, Lord, it, the focus is to help people grow closer to you and closer mm-hmm. to others. Lord, I thank you for his deep desire that everybody has a part to play in the kingdom. And God, I just pray that all these lessons that you've taught him about all that here that he would take with him as he goes into into this new job at PCA, this new career position. I pray that he will be a fabulous campus pastor there, that he would be able to help students and parents and faculty alike discern your word and your will 
and use their gifts to minister inside that school. Lord, I am thankful that you have guided him all through his life and that we can be confident you're guiding him now and that you're going to guide our church as well. So thank you for Scott. We pray that you will bless him, that this job will uh, train him in new ways, that this will be a life-changing event for him, that he will grow and mature through his process, through a process here where he learns new skills and meets new people and does new things. Thank you for all that he's invested in us here. Thank you for Scott and Salisa. Thank you for their love for you and their service here at Centerpoint. Father God, I thank you for this, my home. Father, I thank you that you allowed me to be a part of your kingdom in a place called Centerpoint. And you will continue to open that door. Father, I ask that, that we would follow you with everything we have. Father, I thank you that you have wired John, that man preaching your word is just what gives him so much energy. Father, I pray that he'll be doing that soon right here in front of people. But until then, Father, I pray that he'll preach it all over the world. But that, Father, we would give you glory. Father, I thank you that they are people here and people we haven't even seen yet. That you're going to mature. That, Father, that you are going to use in every possible way to give and to bring you glory. Thank you, Father for letting this be home. Take us to places we have no earthly idea we'd ever go. Father, change us. Change us for your kingdom's sake. In Christ's name, amen. Scott, we appreciate you very much. Thanks for all that you've done here. Thank you.